I'm recording. I didn't mean to push that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Hey, all you fraidy cats and kittens. I'm Whitley. I'm Brian. And this is Deathly Afraid. Ooh. It's my early morning one. Yes, it is early Saturday morning. We've been super crazy. Well, I meant crazy busy, but I'm also crazy, so that works. <laughs> um, so we're only having one story for you this week because Brian just can't get his life together, and I don't want to do two stories. It's too much for me. <laughs> so, um. It might be like this for a while, so you'll just be getting one story every week, and I will switch back and forth between true crime and paranormal, so those who like paranormal are still getting what they like, those who like true crime are getting what they like, so that's all I have to say about that. Brian has nothing to say for himself. (laughs) I'm tired. Um... So, yeah, um, before we start, if you guys could go give us a like, follow, share, review on whatever platform you're listening to, that would be super fantastic and helpful. Also, if you could uh, share with your friends, man, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Do you have anything you would like to say about life, Brian? Oh, really? <laughs> It's live. Just trying to wake up. Uh, um, did you have a good week? It was good. It was a busy week. Are you whispering to us all? Not trying to. <laughs> uh, what about you? Um, yeah, I had, had a good week. Just worked. Work and lots of baseball. Lots of baseball. It is insane. Um, yeah. All right. Well, my story this week is about the disappearance of Savannah LaFontaine Greywind. What a name. Yes. That is a name. It was her name. It was. <laughs> um, so Savannah. She was 22 when she went missing, and she was also eight months pregnant. Yes. So, she currently lived with, like, her parents and brother in a basement apartment in Fargo, North Dakota in 2017. Um, She, like I said, was eight months pregnant, 22 years old. 
and her and her boyfriend had plans of moving into their own apartment, and that's what they were working towards. Um, her boyfriend's name was Ashton Matheny, and um, their baby was due on in September, and it would be their first child together. Um, and Savannah had recently gotten a job as a nursing assistant, and kind of hoped um to fully qualify as a nurse specializing in elder care so she had goals she had life um she was really close with her family and she was also a member of the spirit lake sioux tribe i think that's how you say it s-i-o-u-x i think so i'm pretty sure that's how everyone i heard said it but then i was like we know how willie pronounces words so <laughs> So, like I said, her and her family, super close. They had a really strong bond with each other. Um, and then, so they live in this apartment. And the apartment above them, there was a couple named Brooke Cruz and William Hohen. Brooke was 38. William is 32. Um, they are important to the story, obviously. That's why I'm mentioning them. Um. The two began dating in 2014 and moved into the Fargo apartment in May of 2016. They were very um, loud. They fought a lot. Like, they were known for their crazy fights. Like, like me yelling at our children. I'm just joking. <laughs> it was a little more than yelling. So, um, like it, people said, like their fight, like it would shake those the walls and the ceilings of the apartment below, which is where Savannah and her family lived. Right. And so, not long after those two moved in, Owen had pled guilty to assaulting Brooke when he threw her into the bathtub. So they had a court order that he's not to contact Brooke. Um, but six months after that, the police were back responding to a disturbance report and found him in the apartment where he was not supposed to be. So he's charged with violating the no contact order. But, you know, obviously they keep coming back to each other. So, um, each Brooke and, uh, William had many many run-ins with the law before they met both had a long string of partners before they met each other and each of them had children with these other partners um brooke had as many as seven children and like i don't know that many of them had the same father um she also did not have any contact with any of her kids. And neither did William. Seven kids, no contact. I don't know how people do that. Right? That is crazy to me. I hate not even talking to my kids for a day. Right? Like if they go spend the night somewhere and you're like, Hey, I'm ready for you to come home. And then they come home and you're like, Hey, I'm ready for you to leave. Right? It's just, I don't understand it. So that part to me was just like... Wow, how does, and then I get, 
they're living a rough life, I guess. I don't know. I just couldn't imagine not being around Probably the kids. Probably better for the kids. Oh, yeah. 100%. Especially because you'll see why, but I just don't know how people get to that point in their lives, I guess. Yeah. Um. So, also, Brooke had been sued multiple times by the fathers of her children for not paying any child support. So, basically, she just, like, popping them out and being like, here you go. I'm leaving. I don't know. You, you get a tax credit, and you get a tax credit. You have to pay a lot of money for that tax credit, and it doesn't nearly pay for it, but... So, Savannah and her family, they live below them. They actually didn't know the couple very well at all, besides, you know, in passing or seeing them around the apartment, hearing them fight, you know, that sort of stuff. So, Brooke had told William in 2017 that she was pregnant after he threatened to leave her so of course you know he stays because they're gonna have a baby he later finds out that she lied to him to get him to stay she was not pregnant and he was pretty mad and he told her you either Produce a baby or I'm leaving. Like, okay, obviously, you found out she's not pregnant. How do you want her to produce this baby? Right. Right? It's magic. (laughs) It's murder. So, on August 19th, 2017, Brooke had asked Savannah if she would come up to her apartment and model a dress that she had made. Keep in mind. Savannah's eight months pregnant. If you're making a dress, how is an eight-month pregnant woman going to model that dress for you unless you're making maternity clothes? Which, Brooke's not pregnant. She's not making no maternity clothes. That's her maternity line, okay? (laughs) She's putting out a maternity line, and it's going to be fabulous. Um, She had offered Savannah $20. To go up and do it. So she actually agreed. I just was like, all right, cool, 20 bucks. You know, didn't think much of it. So at 1.24 p.m. on the 19th, she texts her mom and her boyfriend and just let them know, hey, I'm going upstairs. I'm going to help the neighbor. She asked me to model this dress, whatever. Um, She had ordered a pizza. And by the time it arrived, though, she had to run upstairs to go. It was like time that they had decided to meet or whatever so she leaves the pizza on the counter and runs upstairs figuring you know she's just gonna try it on come back down but she never come back okay so norberta which is savannah's mother she replies to savannah's text about helping brooke um but she never hears back from her the laugh she had heard from her is just like, hey, I'm going upstairs. Um, her boyfriend also never heard back from her either. Her mom continued to text her throughout the afternoon, but never receives a reply. And um, this was really unlike Savannah. Like, she is always, you know, quick to reply. She's really like, she's, she's not going to leave you on red. So, you know, they go home, whatever. Savannah, they see the pizza sitting there, never even been opened or touched. 
Her purse is still there in the kitchen. Her car was still parked in its regular parking spot. Um, she was actually supposed to give her brother a ride to work, but she never showed up to get him, which was really unlike Savannah. Um, so her mom actually ended up taking him instead. Around 4 p.m., her mom was like, okay, this isn't right. Like, something's seriously wrong. She's not responding. All her stuff's here. Like, so she went upstairs and knocks on the door to Brooke's apartment. And she, Brooke opens the door and she tells Norberta that Savannah left at like 2.45. She's like, yeah, she came here, but she left at 2.45. So... Norberta, obviously, knowing her daughter, is like, she wouldn't have just walked off, yeah. you know, after leaving her apartment. That's, that's not right. Um, she's obviously eight months pregnant, you know, all the pregnancies, symptoms, swollen feet, whatever. You're not just going to take off from that. And she's like, if she would, if she left somewhere, she would have taken her purse. She would have taken her car. She wouldn't walk anywhere. And not to mention the couple's known for their crazy fights. Basically, they're the apartment crazy people. She's like, I don't trust these people. And a couple weeks prior to this incident, Brooke had come to their apartment and asked Savannah if she wanted to come smoke weed with her upstairs. Just like come, like I said, they did not know this couple very well. So it's weird that she's even coming and asking for help with the dress for one. And just randomly comes down to their apartment and is like, hey, do you want to come upstairs? I know you're pregnant. You're huge. Do you want to come upstairs and smoke weed with me? And Savannah's like, nah. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> so the family's already like, these people are weird, you know? Yeah. So 4.30 rolls around. Um, Norberta, like, literally just can't handle it. And she's like, okay. And she calls the police. She reports Savannah missing, and the Fargo Police Department, um, their officers arrive at the building by 5 p.m. So, half hour later, they show up. After talking to Norberta, they decide to go upstairs and check out apartment 5, which is Brooke and Williams' apartment, which is the last known spot that Savannah was seen. They search the apartment. Like, they let them come in and search the apartment. They search it twice. Once on August 19th, and then they come back again on the 20th and search it again. Old times, they come up with nothing. Okay? There's, like, no sign she's there, no sign of a struggle, no sign of nothing. Like, so, they were a little bit uncareless. Uncareless? Yep, that's what I said. They were a little about bit careless about their search and really unconcerned about the whole situation. Norberta later tells a reporter um, that she felt as though they are not taking her daughter's disappearance seriously and that they just don't care. Or didn't care. They just didn't care. Brooke and William were literally the only suspects in the whole thing. Um... I mean, Brooke's the last one to see her. Yeah. And she's just randomly coming down there like, hey, do you want to come upstairs and do this? Do you want to come upstairs? It's just weird. So, are you hungry? 
That was not me. That was not me. That literally was not me. That sounded like your stomach. It was not my stomach. It was your stomach. I thought it was your stomach. It's the ghost. <laughs> that was super weird. Huh. Um. Okay. So, Brooke and William are the only suspects, and police are really not getting any information from them. Um. However. It's changed when they go to Williams Work, which is a roofing company, and they begin asking his co-workers, like, questions, and it becomes clear that uh, William and Brooke are not being honest with the police. So, they find out from multiple employees at the company that William... Had a brand new baby at home. And when they'd searched the apartment, obviously, there's no sign of a baby. They never saw a baby. Brooke was never pregnant. Like, it's super weird. And they're like, oh, no, he's he's got a brand new born baby at, their, at home. You know, he's struggling, blah, blah, blah. He's tired, whatever. So, please start putting it together. Uh, Savannah, eight months pregnant. She's now disappeared. Because people to see him have a brand new baby. This new information gives police enough, you know, what they, they get gives them what they need to get a warrant. Yeah. So they get a warrant to search the apartment again, which they've already done twice. But in the first searches, because they let them in, they weren't able to, like, open any doors or search any drawers or whatever they literally were able to just walk into a room scan it walk out so um now they have a warrant and they go on august 24th to search the apartment again this time they are in luck brooke was in the apartment and there on the bed was a healthy little baby girl. It was not there the first two times they searched. So police obviously arrest Brooke right there. And William was then arrested at work. So three days after the baby was found, in late August of 2017, a pair of kayakers are out on the Red, which is the river, Red River, <laughs> paddling through the calm waters when they spotted a suspicious-looking object caught on a log several feet away. It says meters, but I'm in America. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm several meters away, okay, guys? I don't know measurements in meters besides long trucks. <laughs> um, so... As the kayakers, you know, they paddle over there and it becomes clear that, you know, their discovery was far more sinister than they could have ever imagined. So floating alongside their kayaks is a tightly wrapped in plastic and duct tape body. At least it was, I couldn't imagine it being open and... You know they had right. done some stuff to get that baby out of there. Oh, she 
had to cut that baby out of yeah. her. Which is crazy to me because it's only been, you know, I mean, it's the same day when they searched the apartment the first time. Like, how did they not find any blood? Yeah, anything. Like... The baby, I get, you can, like, I don't even know how they kept the baby quiet unless it was sleeping when they got there. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy to me, but, like, where was the body? I mean, obviously, I I know where the body was, but, like, how did they not see any blood or anything? Like, it's just, what the heck? Unless they were super, like, I wouldn't say professional about it, but you know what I mean? Like, they put, like, a tarp down and then just... Wrapped her up in that tarp, or no? There's no tarp, but she did do it in the bathroom. So, I mean, the floor is probably a little easier to clean up than if she got it on carpet, but... Yeah. Still. So, they do a DNA test on the baby and confirm that it was Savannah's baby. And so, they take the baby to the dad. Um, on December 11th, 2017, Brooke pled guilty to the charges of conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit kidnapping, and lying to the police. She cried throughout her testimony and, you know, basically expressed her remorse and apologized for the pain she had caused to Savannah's family. So she says, there's no excuse, there's no rationalization, there's nothing. She said during her prepared statement, My actions devastated a family and shocked the community that I called home. Brooke revealed that Santa... Santa? Santa had come! What? Also, Savannah had come to her apartment on August 19th under the pretense of modeling the dress for her. And what followed was the most horrific, terrifying ordeal one could possibly imagine. You made the ordeal. Why are you so terrified? Like, So as soon as Savannah had arrived, Brooks started an argument with her. Um, the two ended up fighting in the bathroom where Brooke pushed Savannah, causing her to hit her head on the sink and fall unconscious. Brooke went to the kitchen, retrieved a knife, and when she got back to the bathroom, she proceeded to haphazardly cut into Savannah's abdomen and pull the baby out of her womb while Savannah was still drifting in and out of consciousness. She was alive as she cut this baby out of her belly. Um, while Brooke was cleaning up the blood from the bathroom floor, William returned home and found Cruz holding the newborn. And she told him, this is our baby. And this is our family. So William asked Savannah, or asked if Savannah was dead, which Brooke said, I don't know, please help me. And according to Brooke's statements, William left to the bathroom, or left the bathroom, came back with a rope. He tied her around Savannah's neck until she was no longer breathing. This whole time she's freaking alive. Right? Oh. Um... Then he said, if she wasn't dead before, she is now. Can you imagine walking into our house? I have a woman cut open. I'm holding a new ass baby. I'm like, this is our baby now, Brian. And you're like, is she dead? And I'm like, I don't know. 
I would. Call the cops. Call the cops and ambulance. Yeah. And be like, she's nuts. Take her to the loony bin. Right. Like. Said now he's getting charged for murder, and she's not. Yeah. Like, how do you get two people this crazy? That's insane. My mind. I don't get it. Like. So, stash the body in a closet in the bathroom. And finish cleaning up the blood from the bathroom floor. So, William later testified that each time the apartment was searched, he was in bed with the baby under the blanket next to him. Every time the police came in, he just lay in there with the baby, and the baby's covered up in the blankets. So, obviously, they had to have done a really good job of cleaning up the blood. The police didn't see it. Um, because the... The murder, we're assuming, took place between 2 and 3 p.m., and the police came at 5. So it's only three hours. That's, I feel, I mean, I've never murdered anyone, but I've bled before, and I feel like with enough blood for someone to die, that's a lot of blood to clean up in three hours. Yeah. Right? I don't know. It just... Well, I would imagine it would be a lot of blood, like, cutting her stomach open, get the baby out, and all that right? stuff. I mean, he strangled, strangled her, so she's... Yeah. It's not as much as if somebody just laid there and bled out. But I'm, just, I'm sure she, she I'm sure she, she would have bled yeah. out, but I don't know. So all the searches, you know, were done so poorly... But they missed an entire baby in their search. Um, and Savannah's body. So they missed two whole people in both searches. Like, granted, the baby's tiny, but still, it's a people. Um, so on August 20th, after the police had searched the apartment for the third time, with no luck, William had hollowed out a dresser and stashed Savannah's body in it. And in the morning of August 21st, William and Brooke put the dresser into their Jeep and drove to a bridge and threw the dresser over the side into the Red River. And Savannah was found six days later. So when she was found, her body was not even in the dresser. Like I said, she was floating next to that log yeah and so i don't even know if anyone ever found the dresser i'm sure it like broke into a bunch of pieces when they threw it over probably um so during brooke's testimony she confirmed that while william had demanded that she produce a baby he didn't know that she planned to murder savannah and claimed the baby as her own but obviously he went along with it once he seen what was happening right so, when she testified that William had strangled Savannah, it was disputed by a fellow inmate of Brooks who testified that Brooke had told her that she had strangled Savannah. So, it's unknown whether Savannah ultimately died of blood loss or strangulation, and the autopsy only listed her cause of death as homicidal violence, which is true. Um, 
On February 2, 2018, Brooke was sentenced to life in prison without the chance of parole. On September 4, 2018, William pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit kidnapping and lying to the police. He was also charged with conspiracy to commit murder, to which he pleaded not guilty, which, I mean, if he truly didn't know of her plan, he couldn't have con- conspired, with her. conspired with her, but he also helped her carry it out, so. Yeah. Um, he was tried and acquitted of that charge. On September 28th of 2018, he was originally sentenced to life in prison, but the sentence was overturned by the North Dakota Supreme Court in October of 2019. He was resentenced to 20 years in prison. So, the baby, she was named Hazley Joe, which was actually picked out by Savannah and um, her boyfriend before she was murdered. And she is a healthy little child. And... Obviously, Ashton, which is the dad, at 22, had to grow up pretty quick, dealing with the loss of his long-term girlfriend. So, I guess I should have put this in here, but I didn't. But they literally have been dating since high school. They were high school sweethearts. They basically grew up together. They started dating, I think, when she was like 16, I think it said. Yeah. So, they, I mean, was a long-term girlfriend. She's 22 at this point, you know. Um, so he becomes a father pretty, not unexpectedly, he would expect to be a father, but not a single father. Um, he admitted that, you know, it was extremely difficult coming to terms with having a baby, but not Savannah. And that he and his daughter are inseparable now. Ashton is not alone either. He has his family and Savannah's family to help guide him through parenthood. Um... Like Savannah, he's also a member of the Spirit Sioux Lake tribe. Paisley Joe will be six in August of this year. So this is obviously been a minute. Um, He described her as a calm, happy baby who was always smiling. As a result of Savannah's murder, former North Dakota Senator Heidi Heitkamp introduced Savannah's act. In the United States Senate in October of 2017, the bill was co-sponsored by Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. The bill aims to improve tribal access to federal crime information databases and create standardized protocols for responding to cases of missing and murdered Native American women. As of September 21st of 2020, Savannah's Act has passed the U.S. House of Representatives. In October, on October 10th of 2020, Savannah's Act was signed into law by President Trump. Republican Senator John Hoven of North Dakota and Chairman of the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs co-sponsored the bill. This is his statement. Savannah's Act addresses a tragic issue in Indian country and helps establish better law enforcement practices to track, solve, and prevent these crimes against Native Americans. We appreciate our House colleagues for passing the bill today and sending it on to the President to become law. At the same time, we continue working to advance more legislation like this to strengthen public safety in tribal communities. 
and ensure victims of crime receive support and justice. So every year in the United States and Canada, Indigenous women experience violent assault, including sexual violence, at the far higher rate than any other racial group. In the United States, Indigenous women are twice as likely to go missing than white American women, even though they make up a smaller percentage of the population. In many parts of the country, Indigenous women are ten times more likely to be murdered compared with the rest of the population. In Canada, the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women has been formally described as a national crisis and and Canadian genocide. Statistics showed that between 1890 and 2012, Indigenous women and girls made up 16% of all female homicides, while only making up 4% of the female population. That's crazy. Um, The reasons Indigenous women are subject to violence at such high rate are widespread. At the heart of the crimes against them are racism and sexism. Indigenous people are still largely excluded from mainstream American and Canadian society. Crimes against Indigenous people are underreported, and when they are reported, are often insufficiently investigated. So, in other words, non-Natives commit crimes against Indigenous women because they are because they know there is a high chance they'll get away with it. Which is sad. That shouldn't be a thing. Like, obviously crime shouldn't be a thing, but it's just sad because there are so many case, cases of indigenous women. And there's like, what is it? I think it's like the Highway of Tears. It's like a bunch of indigenous women and just go missing. And it's just crazy. That's crazy. Well, and the fact that there is such a lower population, but a higher rate against them, it's, it's crap is what it is. So, um, that is my story. That's crazy. Right? Could you, I, I just can't, I obviously can't fathom killing another person. I can imagine wanting a baby, but I don't want to cut it out of someone and steal it. Yeah. Like, obviously I've had kids I've wanted a baby before, but it just, and she had seven other kids. Yeah. Like, go steal one of your other babies back. I don't know. Or have another one. Right? It's not like she had a problem getting pregnant. Yeah. She, I don't even. When there's so many people out there that can't get pregnant. Right? It's, I don't know. I don't like people sometimes. (laughs) So, anyway, that's our episode this week. Sorry you only get one story. But. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Okay. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, we've got lots of baseball this weekend and I've got to get editing this so we can put it out. So yeah, go like us on Facebook. Yeah. You can like our Facebook or you can follow our Facebook group. You can follow us on Instagram at deathly afraid podcast. You can email us at deathly afraid pod at gmail.com and is that it? I think so. Well, then you can have yourself a nice freaking day. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Bye.